Gather round, children. This is the Dice Tower Network. The Broken Meeple, Season 2, Episode 26, Libraries. On this incredibly hot day in the UK, I'm recording another podcast for you chaps. Today I talk briefly about my experiences at Uncon, as well as my recent work at the Portsmouth Comic Con. I'll discuss a little bit about what I believe to be representative of a good board game library, and yeah, I've got time. We'll go over another game and resurrect that good old segment. One more game? Whoo-wee, is it hot! Yeah, very. The UK is going through a bit of a heatwave at the moment following bank holiday weekend. I think the temperature is going to go down a little bit soon, but uh, it has been kind of early 20s, pretty hot sun. And I know some of you around the world are probably thinking one of two extremes. One of you, one half of you being the, oh come on, early 20s, that's nothing. It's 30 degrees here and we are scorching. Literally the walls are melting as I speak. Fair enough, but you know, you're used to that climate, I'm not used to this, we're not used to this kind of heat in the UK very often. And I suppose the other half of you are probably thinking, I can't even feel my toes! Well, again, you're probably used to that climate, you know, in a temperate climate I think we're just used to meh. We're used to mild, that's about as much as we can tolerate. And me, myself, I'm not very good with the heat. Yeah, I can go on a holiday to a hot country, but I need to take like factor 50 sun cream with me. I need to be in the shade as often as possible. I will literally have water intravenously fed into my system so that I can actually stop dehydrating. And I need to eat constantly. It's, hot weather is just something I don't deal with very easily because let's face it, if it's cold, you can deal with it. You can simply have a hot shower. You can go put on a you know a jacket, put on an extra layer. You can turn the heating on. You can deal with cold weather easily enough to get it to a comfortable level. You can't do the same with hot weather. You can't take a cold shower often because cold showers are horrible, but then you also can't turn the, you know, if we don't have air conditioning here, at least not in our domestic houses. So we can't just whack the AC on to make it cold indoors. We have to suffer with the fact that it just gets roasting. And it's not like you can take your clothes off while you're in the middle of the street or something in order to cool down because, well, you know, you get arrested. So, uh, well, I digress. This is going on about the hot weather. You know, I'm complaining about hot weather for a change. Hmm, that's a new one. It has been a lot of uh, activity lately though, I mean, uh, firstly, Uncom was a you know, small convention that I went to over in Ramsgate at the end of April, a chap called Darius uh, runs it, he's on Facebook quite often, likes to post about his own games club, and he's generally a decent bloke, he likes to do these sort of game clubs and conventions for families. He's very family orientated, you know, please the kids, bring the parents, have something fun to do, so fair credit. <coughs> I decided to go to Uncon at this time because, one, wasn't that busy, two, I had been to a previous Uncon which was just literally a small village hall and this one looked like it had gone bigger in scope, so it's like, hmm, okay, I'll try it, and three, it's Ramsgate. Ramsgate's quite a nice little area, it's by the coast, it's in Kent, you know, it was a sunny weekend, why not? 
So I gave it a shot and to be fair, it has grown in scope and it's doing pretty well for itself. It's basically a two day convention, it takes place in one of the schools, I forget the location, but um, in a big sort of private school there and they've got pretty much the whole foyer area so you can you know, you can get free tea if you bring your own mug which is really good because I love being able to get free tea. You've got tables to play games, they had a VR setup, they had little competitions, they had a few exhibitors, you know, nothing grand. We're not talking like Aircon level or even or UK Games Expo, but we're just talking nice, small and pleasant. Certainly for me, it's more geared towards, I would say, family gaming than it is gamer gaming. But if, if you are somebody with kids who likes to play games and that, then I suggest giving this convention a try if you're near the area because it's more geared to you than it is to me. I had a good time. It was good to meet a few people there, but for the most part, I wasn't able to get as much gaming as I wanted to done. And so whether I'll be there again kind of depends if I'm in the area or not, but certainly give it a shot. I did at least get to play a couple of games, you know, that were new while I was there. You know, not all of them ones that I loved, but uh, one that I did quite like was uh, Altaplano. Altaplano being the successor to Orleans by the same designer, except now you're basically collecting resources and turning them into victory points and more tokens. It's a bag building game, so if you've played Orleans, you pretty much know the crux. You put tokens in a bag, you draw them out, and then you use them on your turn. I prefer it to Orleans. Mainly because I feel that like you've got more options, but it does suffer from a big problem. It is 99% multiplayer solitaire. I could not give a monkeys what anybody else does on their turn. As long as there's enough tokens on an island to take from my own, I don't care what the others do. And for the most part, you're not going to run out of stuff on an island because the, the game scales with players. So I just found that I really just didn't care what they were doing. I mean, there were nice chaps, and there was three of us, we had a good time, I, I really enjoyed the game, but it goes up to five players. I, there's barely any point playing it with two, you know, you might as well just play it solo. You know, but playing it with three, okay, three's a sweet spot, four and five, why would I care? It just doesn't seem right for that. Other than that, like I say, generally small convention, family gaming, give it a shot if you like it. Next on the agenda, and kind of the focus for this episode in a sense, is what I was getting up to at Portsmouth Comic Con and the resulting discussion topic for this episode. Basically, Portsmouth Comic Con is the first in my local city of Portsmouth. And it, well, you know what a Comic Con is. You basically go there and it's geekdom. You've got cosplayers running around in all sorts of cool costumes. You've got celebrities from sci-fi shows. You've got comic book sellers. You've got artists. You've got various stuff to do with sci-fi and geeky stuff. Superheroes and, and stuff like that. Yeah, all those old classic shows. It's, it's generally a good place to be for me because let's face it, I'm a giant geek. But even I'm like, okay, what's that comic? What's that series? What is that guy dressed up as? You know, even I don't know every single bit of geekdom that's out there. But it was a good place to be. It's done at the Guild Hall in Portsmouth, which is a very nice area. Huge, nice looking building. And the weather was gorgeous. Oh God, we had, you know, and the reason I was there was not to actually enjoy the convention. 
I still enjoyed it, but the idea was that I was helping out my friends from Dice Portsmouth and Games Quest. We were there in a big white marquee tent outside, and we were teaching board games and selling board games. So as always, whenever they're around, I like to offer my, uh, not my services, I like to offer my assistance as a board game reviewer and teach games to the, the random passers-by. I enjoy it, I wish I could do it as a full-time job, sadly, doesn't quite pay enough to replace an accountancy salary. But... You know, it was a good laugh, and being in that tent meant that we were hot, but, you know, not too hot. It was shaded, we were shaded by buildings, so we didn't have the sun beating down on the tent directly, and if we wanted a bit of sun, we could just literally walk outside and get a bit of the sun's rays. It was about as good as we could get. We lucked out crazily on that one. But, as, al as always, you know, we were teaching games, and I'm seeing some games getting played more than others, some I approve, some I don't. Seriously, why does everybody play Exploding Kittens? I do not understand, but more on that later. And, you know, one thing sort of always comes up as a kind of mini-argument whenever I'm there. Not, not a particular argument, just my viewpoint. Whenever we're there, and this is half down to the limitation of the games that my friends have, the, the Dice Plus of Crew, they bring their own game collection along. And that's fine and dandy, they've got a fair amount of games. I bring some of my game collection along, but not much, because I'm a little bit paranoid about how random people will treat my games. I don't collect games per se, you know, some of my games are wearing a bit on the covers and that, as they do, but I do sort of wary, I'm, I'm a bit wary about people sort of bending my cards, kids sort of scuffing them up and that, you know, because they don't care, you know, they're kids. And, you know, it's, it's, I like to be a little bit wary. I'll bring, I'll bring like, sleeved games. I'll bring ones that only I will teach so I can keep an eye, you know, that sort of thing. And the discussion topic came up with the library. Because we essentially always have a library of their collection of games, and I bring a few just to plug in the gaps, you know. It's like, oh, you're missing this game, you're missing this game, you should really have this. And the library is very mixed. <laughs> because I, I am down to the belief that a decent board game library, if you're doing an event that is teaching board games and you are predominantly going to be teaching to new gamers, so people who have barely played any games or probably haven't even seen any modern designer board games, there are two rules that you should really follow. One, they should be thematically appealing. You know, there is no point having some industrial, you know, industrial cotton-making, uh, economic game of buying and selling wool and laying down railroad tracks. Yeah, somebody was talking about brass a minute ago, so that's kind of what's on my mind at the moment. And, you know, because that's not really appealing to new players. It might be appealing to, like, the odd one out of a million, but, and to be fair, I'm surprised it is, but it's not really something I would expect in a library. So I would want thematic games with the exception of a few light kind of two-player abstracts, you know, light, light abstract games, you know, I'm thinking uh, Azul, Yinch, Onitama, stuff like that. But you want them to look good on the table as well. The second thing, and probably the more important thing of the two, is that they should be gateway level, or at the most, pick up and play, or easy to teach. And this is where some of the debate comes by. They like to bring every game they can and showcase off like a wide variety of games in the hobby. Now that's fair enough. If you are planning to just show off the box to say that it exists, great. If you are intending for people to pick up the game and play it and you want to teach it, you might want to rethink that strategy because 
we had occasions there where somebody, like two people picked up Terraforming Mars because my friends are obsessed with that game and they brought that along because they always want to bring it to everywhere they go. Terraforming Mars is far from a pick up and play game. It is also far from a game that you can teach in any quick time. Bear in mind people have gone to a comic con for mainly the purpose of seeing a comic con, not to sit down and play games. So you're expecting somebody to not only sit down for 30 minutes while you teach this game, but also for about another three hours on top while they actually play it. That did not seem like the best move. And there are other games that they have in their library that I always seem to bring up as a, a weird like, okay, why guys? <laughs> and things like Fury of Dracula, um, hello, three plus hours. Uh, XCOM requires an app and requires you to teach four different stations to new players. Uh, that's a lot of requirements to get that game going. Uh, one of them even brought Scythe. I love Scythe, but there is no way I am teaching that to people at a comic con convention. You know, the tables wouldn't have even been big enough to hold the stuff, let alone have the time to play it. So, I didn't quite get why such games would be like that. And I'm definitely more the fact that they should be gateway. I mean, what games was I trying to teach? Uh, you know, I was trying to teach a lot of gateway titles and simple two-player abstracts or micro-card games. So we're talking, uh, let's see, I'm looking around on my shelf. Love Letter, Hanamakoji, uh, Baron Park, Onitama, Jaipur. Uh, did I say Love Letter? Probably did. Uh, what else was there? Uh, Ticket to Ride, obviously. Uh, no one wanted to play uh, Quadropolis, unfortunately, but oh well, never mind. And what else was there? I know there were other choices. I think I saw someone playing Carcassonne. That was a good one. Uh, no one wanted to play Manhattan. Shame. No one played Splendor. That was kind of surprising. Uh, was there any other one? Oh, yeah. Takinoko. Yes, Takinoko got played. Um, well chuffed with that. And, yeah. What, oh, and Katan. You know, the classic Katan. How can I forget? So, these are all games that you can teach quickly and get played quickly and are easy to understand. These are the sort of things you should have in a board game library for these occasions. And if that means that your library is a bit smaller than a typical library, then fine. I would rather have a small collection of games that can be played easily and enjoyed than having a wide collection of games that include a lot of ones that are, not, are kind of pointless being there. And I know that's kind of an anathema considering as I look around my board game collection is uh, smaller than most hardcore gamers collections, I'll admit. Although I'm not counting the ones that are in the other room. But certainly I wish sometimes I could have a smaller collection, but board game reviewer, it's kind of in the hobby and in the role. But yeah, for a library that you're teaching at a convention, I want the game to be taught in about 10 minutes and for the game to be wrapped up in anywhere between 15 to an hour. You know, 15 minutes to an hour. If it takes more than an hour, then okay, fair enough. Just not much more than an hour. I mean, at the very, very max, if the game is not done and dusted in 90 minutes, it's too long. And I would say over 75 is kind of cutting it. You can easily get Catan done in an hour. You can get Ticket to Ride done in an hour. Love Letter is 10, 15 minutes. You know, Onitama is five minutes. And those ones are brilliant. And... I just don't get why they include some of those other games. You know, fair enough. But when people pick up this giant box and they're like, oh, that looks really cool. And you have to say to them, you probably haven't got time to play it. You know, you've only got like an hour or so. This is going to take free. It's just there. That's kind of off-putting. It's a bit of a demoralizing factor to them sort of wanting to get into the hobby, having to realize that this game on the shelf that they felt like trying is too much for them to play right now because they may never see it again in their life and they've missed an opportunity to play some actual half-decent games, you know, that are shorter, 
and get into the habit. And I mean, to go over what were the most popular games that I was teaching, uh, I taught, uh, let's see, Henry Koji was only once, uh, Love Letter was a couple of times, Baron Park went down very well, uh, Baron Park being the new polyomino game from last year where you're building a bear park, like Tetris style, and putting the pieces down. You know, patchwork is still great. Nobody wanted to play patchwork, though, even when I had it pre-set up. But Cottage Garden, meh, boring, you know, not particularly great. Feast of Odin, fun, hate to teach it, and also miles too complicated. But, you know, Baron Park, brilliant. It's a simple game. I taught several people this, you know, different groups of three and four. I taught them the rules in, like, five minutes, and they were on the way, and they were done and dusted within about 45 minutes tops depending on the players. I could give them tips without revealing too much. They got into it and every single one enjoyed the game. Perfect library game. And I didn't even have to be there. Baron Park's got about two to three pages of rules and one of those is scoring. You could literally just have set it up on the table and said, go on, have fun with it. And they would have probably been done and dusted still within about an hour. You know, so it, those sort of games are perfect. Onitama was probably the biggest hit, I think, of the entire weekend? Well, um, well, actually, maybe not quite, but it was certainly one of the most popular. Onitama, when I had that preset up, loads of people looked at it and go, what's this? I want to try it. And there were couples, there were like just two blokes, there was like one person who just wanted to play against me. And I got a few games of Onitama in in the time, but uh, I could teach them it in literally a minute. They could play it in five minutes, maybe 10 tops. And then when they played it, they go, rematch. Do, 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 do. rematch, do, 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 do. rematch, you know, they played several games, I think one couple played about six, seven games in a row before they eventually sort of stopped and they loved every single minute of it. It's a shame that there wasn't more being sold that day, but you know, they at least got to experience a great game and I didn't even have to teach it. I could have literally just left it there and they could have learned it themselves, but if I was free, I'd be wandering over to that table asking them if they need a hand and you know, everybody prefers to be taught a game rather than have to read a rule book. Sadly, unfortunately, the most popular games that I could see being played there, certainly the ones that were being hinted at by other people as they were looking for a game they liked, was Joking Hazard and Exploding Kittens. Why? Why? I just don't get this. Now, oh, fine, okay, it's their intro level games, but I'm burnt out on Cards Against Humanity. I don't mind joking hazard, but it's just another one of those, put some crude joke in a row and make a slight laugh and end game. That's pretty much all it is. It's just sick humor. Although I was a bit freaked out that loads of families were like, you know, trying to play it with their young kids. Or the kids were saying, oh yeah, mum, can we play joking hazard? These are kids that don't look older than 12. Barely 10 years old to 12 years old, and they're asking to play Cards Against Humanity or Joking Hazard? Seriously, parents, what the, what the frig? How can you be playing such a game with those people, honestly? Ay, 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 uh, digress. And then the other one, Exploding Kittens. Okay, it's got weird exploding cats puking. That's a great one to play with kids as well, but Exploding Kittens, I just find to be a complete waste of space. It was a gimmick, it should never have made as much money, it is rubbish, it is Uno rules with a slight twist, there is no strategy, it is all dumb luck. And yet, people who don't know games are grabbing it off the shelf and playing it. Fair enough, you're here to have fun, I'm not gonna say that's a bad thing, but 
It always makes me a little bit sad inside when I have to peer over at the tables and see that, oh yeah, they're enjoying that game, that's good, yeah, good, uh, oh, exploding kittens again! <laughs> it's just like, what is it about that game that people like? I just don't get it, but, ah well. The whole weekend itself was brilliant though. I had a great deal of fun. If I could do this for a day job, I would, if it paid enough for me to actually afford my house. But, you know, sadly, unfortunately, the gaming hobby does not pay very well. Why did I not take that finance job at Asmodee? I have no idea. But uh, yeah, you know, it was a good weekend. I would probably be there next year, although it does take place on the bank holiday weekend, so <laughs> you don't always have a bank holiday weekend free. But yeah, I would like to do it again. I already help out Dice Portsmouth with the you know charity events and their own special events, you know, fundraisers and that. You know, they're grateful. It's nice to have, you know, they, they like the idea of having somebody there who knows enough about the games to be able to teach a wide breadth of them and enjoys doing it. And I do. So, yeah, they'll see me next time. And now it's time to resurrect an old segment that has kind of been a... It's died a slow death a while ago, and now it's time to resurrect it. Probably because there was too many conventions to go to and talk about. Plus, there was also the idea of switching up the music for this convention. Then there was the whole palaver with losing most of the video assets. Yeah, there was quite a bit. Cool, sorry. <laughs> like cough there. And, yep, it's time to bring it back. So, today on this segment of One More Game, just to remind you of what this segment is, it's basically where I talk about a game that I acquired a long time ago. And then I give my views as to whether it still holds up over time. Because this is an important topic for a lot of people. It's one thing to say, oh yeah, the new hotness is so amazing. Well, sometimes it is. But we forget about the older games that are still great. And one thing that some people want to know is how well does it last, you know, stand the test of time. It's all well and good saying, you know, oh, it's an amazing game when you play it the first five times then it starts getting samey and repetitive and you get bored with it, then it becomes a turkey. There's a top 10 list for that coming out soon, actually. Be, be on the lookout. And, yeah, it's just, you know, you don't want that. You want a game to last for as long as possible. So, today, this one I am talking about is Among the Stars. Among the Stars is a drafting sci-fi game. You are basically building a space station, and very much like Seven Wonders and other similar games, you will end up with a hand of cards, and you will draft them each round, you'll place them on the table, and you'll score points in various ways. Now, whereas the other games don't really care where you place the card, Among the Stars does, because you are building the space station in orthogonal fashion, and where you put the buildings is actually important because some will score based on their proximity to other cards and also in order to power certain buildings you need to have reactors close by that are close enough to supply power to those rooms. So there's a spatial element that you need to be aware of. There's a lot of different rooms however the way that they're selected is that you select several rooms and then you put all copies of that room in. This is a little bit of a downer for me because I would rather have a wider variety of rooms than having, say, six or seven rooms that you just have three copies of each. Some of them are required to have that, though, because they get better as you get more copies of them out, but still, I would have liked to have a wider variety. And there have been two expansions to this. I actually went mad and bought, you know, a Kickstarter version of this. It had the... Um, I think it had both expansions in. One expansion was mainly just more cards. The first one, though, had not only more cards, but it also had ambassadors, which were kind of like 
people with special powers that you could hire on a particular round. And if you got that character, you had a special ability, and you could have starting player race powers as well. So it's a solid game, kind of. Yeah, this one is one that hasn't quite stood the test of time for me, and I'll, I'll go into more detail. Firstly, the competition. Among the Stars has got to go up against some pretty big heavyweights when it comes to drafting games. You've got Sushi Go, which is a, you know, a small light game. You know, it's way lighter than Among the Stars, but it's the same concept of drafting cards and doing stuff. But then it has to go up against Seven Wonders. Seven Wonders is a behemoth in the drafting game franchise, and it's also quicker. And this is probably the biggest problem I have with Among the Stars. There's two, well, one of two. Firstly, the time, and two, the weight. With the time, Among the Stars can be a quick game if you know exactly what you're doing and there's probably only two of you playing. You start introducing more players and it gets exponentially longer, especially if they have not played the game before, in which case they've got to consider the cards, the spatial awareness, all sorts of things, and the game can take a long time for what is essentially a draft-play-draft-play affair. There's a reason why Seven Wonders does not take two hours to play, because it would be anywhere near as good if it did take two hours to play. My biggest beef with Terraforming Mars is the fact that it is basically just draft, play, draft, play, draft, play, and yet it takes three plus hours. You know, way too long for what it is. It gets repetitive. Among the Stars has a similar problem. It can take anywhere from like 90 minutes to two hours most of the time, and it, when it gets to that two hour mark, it's just... Ugh. And that's including a fair bit of downtime waiting for other players to hurry up and draft their cards. And this is not just a one-off group, this is you know multiple groups that I have played this game with. Secondly, the setup time and takedown is a bit much because of all the sorting you've got to do with the different rooms and the categories. And then you've got to collect them all up, put them in their sets, put them back in the box. I've got an insert and it still takes a while to do. If you don't have an insert, it's an absolute nightmare. So... In the time it takes to set it up, play it, and take it down, why didn't I just play Seven Wonders? It was a lot quicker, and it still gives me the same feeling just without the spatial awareness part. On top of that, it's just harder for people to grasp. It's more meaty. It's definitely one of the more meatier drafting games that there is out there. You know, not quite as big as Terraforming Mars, but certainly meatier than Seven Wonders and Sushi Go put together. And sometimes I just want something a bit quicker. Something I can teach easier. It takes a bit to teach Among the Stars, particularly as most people haven't even heard of it, let alone played it. Seven Wonders, though, most people have heard of it, a lot of people have played it, and there may be one or two people, but even then, you've only got to teach them a, a lot less than with Among the Stars. So, those things have been kind of making me want to play those games more than Among the Stars, and so, after a while, Among the Stars just ended up sitting on my shelf. And the biggest issue with me is that it's a Kickstarter copy which means that it's impossible to sell <laughs> because it's got so much stuff in it, like metal coins and sleeves and the insert and that, which is worth money and you should pay for it. Most people don't want to pay that kind of money though for a game that is technically second hand. So trying to sell it and recoup any kind of money for it is becoming an impossibility. You know, I'm making a huge loss on this, I already know that, but it's just getting worse and worse and worse where nobody at a convention wants to buy it because it's a lot of money to ask for one game, especially when most people have not heard of it or just haven't played it. So 
It hasn't really stood the test of time for me, and I think this one's gone the way of the dodo because I don't see it on sale anywhere. I think it's out of print, as far as I can tell. I have certainly not seen a single retailer uh, selling it at any point. And it's this the Seven Wonders, the Sushi Go. And for all you heavy lot out there, you know, the ones who do like this game, there's Terraforming Mars. Among the Stars is kind of just faded into the background. And the same publisher, I think, brought out Fields of Green which is essentially Among the Stars, but on a farm. So they've pretty much done away with Among the Stars now and continued down the farming route, which is similar, except now you need spatial awareness for water and wheat and all that. Problem is, I've played Fields of Green and it's quite fiddly, it's long, it takes too long, and this is the problem. This is why I don't own Fields of Green because it has the same issue I had with Among the Stars, except I noticed it the first time I played Fields of Green, not the 10th. So, yeah, Among the Stars was a decent sci-fi drafting game. Looks gorgeous, great artwork, good concept, great production for the Kickstarter version, had a lot of potential. Sadly, I'm done with it. It's not for me. It's not going to be in my collection anymore. This one, one more game? Nah. Okay, that's about wraps it up for episode 26. I'm going to go have some dinner and then I'm going to decide what to do with the rest of the evening. Probably edit and get this podcast out because I've kept you guys waiting too long. Probably edit another video. And ideally, if I've got time and I haven't roasted and melted to a puddle by then because it is hot. You know, I'm drinking water out of a pint glass here and it's just like almost done now trying to get through this episode. But I'm also staring at my table and I have the amazing Lord of the Rings LCG set up with the... Uh, uh, a particular scenario I was doing yesterday that I won uh, was it Temple of the Deceived. I'm kind of far behind at the moment. I've probably got at least, what, like one deluxe, no, several deluxe expansions and a couple of cycles that I still haven't played, even though I own the whole collection because I just love the game that much. But, yep, I had a great time with it and I want to get more Lord of the Rings LCG done, so I want to continue with this cycle, so I better get a move on with that. Thanks for checking out this podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to my other content, YouTube and uh, the written blog. Find me on Facebook and Twitter. If you're that, just keep subscribing to this podcast and, you know, enjoy listening. You know, give me suggestions on what you want to hear on the show. And just generally, thank you. You know, thank you for, uh, you know, enjoying this content and listening to me blag on about games. Hopefully, I'll see you at a future convention. A uh, very quick update. I will definitely be at UK Games Expo this year. And at some point, I will remember to grab a plane ticket so I can get to Essen this year. Because I already have a hotel. I just need to get the flight. You know, but UK Games Expo, I am sorted. Hotel's booked. I'll be there. Be on the Dice Tower booth from now and again, helping them out as per usual. But I'll also be wandering around in my t-shirt and, uh, you know, looking to play games with people in the evening in the Ibis Hotel. And just generally having fun. Hopefully I'll see you guys there. Take care. See you at the Games Expo. Probably will be after the Expo when I get another episode done. Um, if you're lucky, I might be able to do one before it. But chances are I'll probably do an episode after it to report on my experiences at the Expo. So I will see you soon in episode 27. Take care. And remember, it's only a game. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy life to listen to this podcast presentation. If you like what you hear, then please check out my other material on my various other platforms. Firstly, the blog, 
brokenmeeple.blogspot.co.uk where you can find all my written reviews and links to my other material. You can find me on my Facebook page. You can also find me on Twitter at The Broken Meeple where you can ask me questions, get in touch and just generally have a good conversation. You can also check out my YouTube channel where I'm posting anything from a review to a top 10 list to board game app playthroughs and hopefully much more in the future. And speaking of the future, if you want to support the Broken Meeple, then please subscribe to the Patreon campaign where you can assist in helping me keep this blog up and running and try out new ideas in the future. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast and I hope you enjoy listening to my other material. For now, take care and enjoy playing games. For me and everyone else on the Dice Tower Network, have fun gaming. Remember folks, Dice Tower Network cares.